Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast, a podcast where we interview faculty, students, staff, and alums of the Beyond Boundaries series of courses and the Beyond Boundaries program at Washington University in St. Louis. In this podcast, we aim to reach across the digital divide and highlight engaging stories told by Beyond Boundaries faculty and students at WashU and their ideas for future work and play. We hope to give you a window into what Beyond Boundaries is, featuring the next generation of interdisciplinary thinkers and collaborators whose aim is to leverage curiosity across disciplines in an effort to solve some of the most complex and challenging problems we face in the world today. My name is Rob Morgan, and I am the director of the Beyond Boundaries program at WashU and a teaching professor in the area of design and the performing arts department. Enjoy the show. My guest today on the Beyond Boundaries podcast is a rising second year student in the Beyond Boundaries program in Bianca Rodriguez Pagano. She is uh, from New York City. Uh, she is a marketing major and a double minor in business of social impact and design. Um, really delighted to have Bianca on the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for spending some time, Bianca. Yeah, thanks, Rob. I'm, I'm excited. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of stuff. It's good to have you here. It's, uh, let's see, mid, uh, not quite mid-August, early August um, in 2022. And where are you right now? Wow. Uh, I'm in my apartment in New York City, actually. <laughs> nice. Nice. And uh, what's keeping you busy these days in, in New York City? Ah, oh, well, it's always loud. So that's one thing I got going <laughs> on for me. Um, it's keeping you never, awake. Never <laughs> moment here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I go to sleep. I could hear the I could hear the subway rumbling beneath me. I wake up. I could hear dogs and the fire trucks barking <laughs> and you know, screaming outside. So it's nice. uh, it's energy packed. Um, but other than that, I I don't know. I've been studying a little bit this summer. I got a fellowship under the Herrendorf Family Foundation to study a class called Employment Law, nice. uh, Women and Labor Law, under a professor at uh, U Chicago, which has been awesome. Nice. Um, and I've been also hostessing at a, a neighborhood coffee shop. So that's actually been quite uh, fun. That's cool. That's cool. And a nice combination of things, you know, some yeah. some in-person, some virtual. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've, uh, I've been very, I'm either very, very busy or I feel like I have absolutely nothing to do. Yeah. Nothing in between. <laughs> yeah. I know we've shared a little bit on social media about your role with the Herendorf uh, Family Foundation. Can you, and they've been very supportive, actually. They've been equally proud of you. Um, in in those channels can you tell us a little bit about what that uh, fellowship is all about how you how you found yourself getting into it and, um, yeah. and that type of thing um well i guess i'll start off by saying i've always uh wow well even even through high school i went to boarding school and then i flew from i went to school in boston and i came straight from boston to st louis um but i've always been a scholarship kid so going into high school i participated in a program called a better chance um, so I was an ABC scholar going into high school. And then after high school, um, I received a scholarship from the Oprah Winfrey Charitable Foundation uh, in a new scholarship program called the Oprah Winfrey Leader Scholars. And as an abbreviation, we call ourselves OWLs, um, which is pretty fun. I think it's cute. It has a, it has a nice <laughs> it little is. ring. It. it is. Uh, complete with like a little logo with an owl on it. It's, it's perfect. Nice. Um, and for once, I don't have to explain to anyone who Oprah Winfrey is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she's a really nice lady. She's from a quaint upbringing. I don't think a lot of people know her. <laughs> right. Uh, actually pretty underground. Nice. Um, so you've been an owl scholar since high school then? Uh, yeah, since the end of my senior year. Oh, uh, wow. Amazing. 
And so uh, it's a brand new scholarship. So it got off to a bit of a rough start, especially considering it was in the middle of the pandemic or just coming out of it. Uh, so we met all virtually, everything, even communication has been primarily online. And because it's such a new scholarship, they paired with the Herendorf Families Foundation, which is based in Chicago. They have locations in Chicago and Vancouver, and it's a very similarly run scholarship program. Um, it basically just funds college tuition for Chicago residents, um, mostly for like high achieving uh, underprivileged BIPOC students, right? Got it. In um, and so uh, what we did finally was uh, we, we had a, a conference in Chicago this summer where we finally all met and got to hug and then talk. Uh, and it was mostly a you know, professional development conference, uh, as well as a, you know, building up support kind of thing. But out of that, I found out about the fellowship that I do, or that I just finished now, uh, which was um, really, it was, it was actually fairly straightforward. It's a really tiny class of two kids. Um, and then we learned all about employment law, which seems very boring at first. I was not, you know, particularly excited with the with the concept of studying law, sure. but rather um, the practical employments, uh, <laughs> employments of it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I caught myself in a in a pun. Um, <laughs> sure. When I, when I Most WashU students do, <laughs> either intentional um, or unintentional puns. It's just well, lots. I will say, Rob, you are the king of dad jokes. So I am. I am. I'm not going to lie. Learned from the best. Yeah, that's going to keep a lot of students from coming to WashU is knowing that. <laughs> Well, at least they, at least you know you don't try and hide it. You're very upfront about it. So you right. appreciate that. Right, right. I think I can hear the collective eye roll of all of our listeners now. Oh my god, not dad jokes. No. Oh, my face is red. <laughs> <laughs> um so yes, go on. So you uh so you were an owl scholar that led into Herendorf. You said there were only two students in your class? Yes, the, it was um that's okay. amazing. Oh. Uh, I, it was like, a, I had to apply to do the fellowship, but it was like a video submission, almost uh -huh. like you, you do when you apply for WashU, right? Uh, right. sometimes you have the optional video that you make. Um, and so I did that. Uh, I got in, it was only supposed to be one student, actually. It was supposed to be more so of a mentorship, but, uh, our professor liked us both so much that he picked both of us or he begged, <laughs> he begged nice. for both of us. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, and so it was, uh, it's almost like, uh, gosh, there, there are some colleges that do very close-knit intense studies of like certain um certain majors where they pair up with a professor and it's two students just meeting for a couple of hours every other day I think just talking about stuff and that's kind of what the class was it was um your standard run-of-the-mill like we had a textbook called look at it right now called employment and labor law ninth edition mm -hmm. um but it was mostly looking at like uh, slideshows of hypothetical situations. We called them hypos, right? right. Um, and so we'd skim a chapter. We'd look at all the laws that were involved. Didn't really have to memorize them. You had to know how to apply them. And we'd talk about uh, maybe someone gets injured at work. So what laws are they covered by? And um, does it even apply to them if they're applying for the job and maybe not an actual employee? So it was, um, we tackled a lot of big issues. It's almost as as if um, we, we got down to the core of like, what even does it mean to be an employee? Like what rights do you really have? Sure. Um, and a big thing that I've actually learned, uh, which is uh, really interesting is that 
most most companies don't have that many employees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like employees, really, it, it it takes a lot. You have to have a certain form. You have to sure be provided with a schedule and everything. It it's kind of crazy. What I realized is that a lot of companies actually hire independent contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh. surprisingly, it creates this whole loophole where you know you can get away with not providing <laughs> your pseudo employees rights. That's, yeah. Um, and so because I'm a, a marketing major, there's seemingly no relation there, mm-hmm. but, um, I've realized that <laughs> if you are an employee and you're in the business world in any capacity, you kind of have to know how to, how to jump around, um, yeah. this kind of contractual, I don't want to say BS, but right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For many, for many years, I've been an independent contractor as a, a designer. You know, I go to a theater company that asks me to design a show and, you know, they, they just pretty much pay me a flat fee and <laughs> there's no <laughs> benefits. There's, you know, it's like a 1099 I get late at the end of the year. And, and, and exactly. I'm a, and my tax guy, I remember when I first, you know, started getting into this, I, I didn't have a clue about what I was doing. And he essentially said, well, Rob, you're a, a company of one, <laughs> essentially, you're just a, you know, you need to, you need to sort of deduct where you can, and uh, you need to pay for art supplies and um, all kinds of things. And so, um, exactly. I, man, I was just thrown into it. Um, right now, just a quick plug that we have a business of art, or, yeah, business of art minor in the Olin School of Business here at WashU that really is meant to address these very types of things. I wish the minor existed when I was in school because I would hopped on it in a second to just know yeah. the business side of the theater business. <laughs> That's what I will say. I love WashU because we have so many niche majors and minors. Yeah, for sure. Like out of nowhere. I, I feel like I probably wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't have known that a majority of them existed had right. I not been in Beyond Boundaries either. Yeah, so. well, that's that's something I want to talk about with you. But before we do, I, oh, can you give a shout out to your teacher that wanted two of you in his class, his yes. or her class? Uh, his name is Professor David Pogrand. He's an adjunct professor at the Booth School of Business at UChicago. So this is one of the only classes he teaches. Oh, wow. Um, and he, on <laughs> on his own time, he just happens to run his own law firm for uh, uh, employment law, actually, mostly. Oh, great. Uh, which is hey. super interesting. He's a... Uh, He's like a, he's a really laid back dude. He almost reminds me of like an older version of you sometimes. Oh Lord. Okay. Well, that's not good. Uh, that can't be good. <laughs> um, he's very uh, calm. Mm. He, he, I don't know how to, how to talk about Prof Pogrand uh, correctly without, without making him seem like, uh, like a stoner. Oh. Yeah. I should um, stop. I should stop you there in case he listens. So don't don't say anything, don't say anything incriminating. But um... yeah, exactly. Well, that's the funny part. I don't think. Um, <laughs> I think I think he's told us. He's told us a lot of funny stories. You know, he's the type of professor that uh, will tell you about his life. I think yeah. because especially because we're doing the class over the summer, there were a lot of times where he'd be like, "Oh, I have to go uh, out to dinner. It's my anniversary, or I'm going to see oh, my grandkids." And nice. He's a very. You could tell he's a very down to earth person. You yeah. know. Yeah. And very accommodating. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially given the fact that he's a lawyer, he knows he knows his stuff. <laughs> sure, sure. That's something I learned teaching is you know there's some humanizing aspects to teaching where you you just need to share a little bit about yourself for students to really care about you, you know, and in, in the way that you care about them. So, 
you, you're not you're not just like a robot up there saying telling a lecture you have to kind of personalize it to an extent but um that's nice to hear you've got a nice relationship there perhaps it'll pay off in the future but um you mentioned uh uh well obviously you were in beyond boundaries in your first year which means you were the as i say the thumb of the four divisions you were the th <laughs> of the four fingers you were the thumb but you placed into the Olin school of business i suppose that was your first choice anyway is that right yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, big reason why I, I know why I knew Washu pretty well before I um, came to visit or before I even you know moved in, because my sister went to Washu uh, oh, and she, cool. she also she studied in the business school, but it wasn't her main major. Got it. And um, given the fact that I I would like to say that I'm a fairly empathic person and uh, extroverted, I didn't want to just jump into to the business school under the impression that you know right it's all numbers and people wearing suits and <laughs> not <laughs> um, not at all I take it easy i i think honestly it was better uh, it gave me more time like not having to take prerequisites yeah during the very first semester it gave me time to take classes i i really care about oh that's great um, nice so a lot hey. of those were, were beyond boundaries classes too of course of course like one of them i would love for you to talk about is law race and design um yes exactly um yeah it was a, it was a wonderful class it it was taught by uh panina akayo laker mm -hmm. and professor uh the other professor was john and nazu who is a law professor and um and professor laker is in the design schools so she teaches at sam fox um very unlikely pair is what they always say um but they get along super well. Uh, our classes were always full of banter, um, mainly about legal jargon, right? And that's a big thing that uh, Professor Inazu talked about because the class was focused on law in St. Louis, so past cases. Many probably know the big decision of, of Dred Scott. Dred, yeah, yeah, the Dred Scott decision. Um, and then we focused on similar uh, civil rights cases that extended past that era. Um, and just how uh, it was structured, the, the, not only the cases were structured, but uh, the legality surrounding it. And in even, this is going to sound odd, but uh, buildings and structures like uh, the courthouse in downtown St. Louis, how all of them uh, are kind of signifiers of, of how injustice mm -hmm. existed then and, and permeates into our, our present and future. Yeah. Um, oh. So it was a lot of things. It was a yeah. lot to cover in a pretty short period of time. And because of that, the class was always a conversation. It was sure. always us talking and, and about our opinions. Um, and you'd think it would get way, way more heated than it did, but it, it was hmm. very, you know, it, it just as insightful. Our professors yeah. were, uh, they are the type of people that uh, want you to, to <laughs> speak your own opinions. It's, um, they, they would call us in class almost. And a lot of times you're talking about a law case. They'd ask us to read a brief and we didn't know what we were talking about. <laughs> like, even if you let a, read a legal brief now, would you know what you were talking about? No, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a jumble of words put together and maybe an opinion from uh, a lawyer or from, from a judge and maybe a dissenting judge. <laughs> um, and I still, you know, those words are so hard to say to say for me because I don't even know if I'm saying the right thing right now. Um, well, but anyway, uh, schools for us to know what to know what to say. Exactly, but uh, Professor Nazi, he would he would be like, okay, so what'd you guys learn? And he would know 
he would know that we were all just just trying to put together a string of words <laughs> that would make any sort of sense to impress him. Yeah. Um, he would be like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, let's let's uh, let's go through it. Let's talk about what this word means. And what this word means. We finally all be like, okay, yeah, we don't understand any of this. You can explain it to us now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fascinating. There's two things about this I want to make sure I highlight for the listeners. And one of them is I often get the question, oh, well, you know, beyond boundaries students, they're beyond boundaries, right? They're like free agents. They can take anything they want. They can take grad level classes. And it's like, whoa, 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 no, <laughs> you can't take, you can't take graduate level classes. But so many of the beyond boundaries courses like this one are taught at least by, in your case, half of the faculty are with the, in this case, a professor in law, that's a grad level division. And so what a great opportunity yeah. to have, you know, Professor Anazu um, teaching first year undergrads. It's fantastic. So um, I just want to sort of highlight that. But then also, I think you mentioned before we started recording that um, this particular course, and I think this is so great that about Beyond Boundaries students is, you you start in you know start a year ago kind of having some sense of what you want to do and what you want to major and minor in but this course led you to adding a design minor to uh to your repertoire here can you talk about that yeah i'd love to um i think the biggest part about it is that um especially professor laker talks about design being subjective but also it has to be targeted towards the user right like a user experience you see uh, designers who are coding websites now and, and making social content or social media content uh, talk about UI and UX um, as abbreviations. Sure. Uh, and I had no clue, still have no clue uh, what those <laughs> necessarily entail. Right. Um, but the whole point was making it, or at least from her point of view, it, it has to be accessible to the audience that you want it, want to target, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think she made this she made this very clear. A lot of the projects that we did in class, and most of them were group projects based in design, uh, were taking things as simple as a university city parking ticket. Mm. Uh, and we have a physical copy because uh, Professor Anazi got one at some point. <laughs> and he brought it he brought it to class and he was just like, I want you guys to look at this. <laughs> nice. I want you to read this and tell me what it means. And we were just like, it's a parking ticket. And it was just like, yeah, but how do you how do you contest this? And we were all just like, we don't know. There's no information on there. And he was just like, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So if I'm a law professor and I don't know how to deal with this, how do you expect anyone else to? Right. Right. Yeah. And so that was kind of um, the two concepts you were kind of marrying with law and design. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to make it very straightforward. You need to make it accessible to the people that the laws are made for. Yeah. And that's what made me start loving uh, well, I, I loved, you know, drawing and sketching beforehand, even though I'm not incredibly talented at it. Um, sure. But sure. It, it made me realize that, you know, uh, design in this capacity is is a socially driven yeah. job, basically. Yeah, definitely. I, I teach, a, as you know, teach a class called Design and Creativity, and I teach it with my good friend and colleague, Bruce Lindsay in architecture. And we do one entire class where what we, we like to say we have dueling screens. There's thankfully two projectors and two screens in there. And we can basically, it's like a tennis match. Um, and the big question of the day is what is design? And he's like, I think design is this. And then I'm like, you're full of shit design. No, I don't say that, but I say, you know, this is, this is what I think design in. and what you come away with after about, I guess, eight different things that we say design is, is that design is everything. It is, 
sort of woven into what we assume that the world we're living in, for example, the room you're sitting in, the one I'm sitting in was designed. And um, unless you're in the middle of the woods, <laughs> you're, you're occupying in a designed space that has, in some cases, hierarchies sort of built in to the cake, uh, baked into the cake, um, to conflate a couple of analogies there. But, um, but it's, I just, it's so great that you're kind of adding that minor to your to your list here, marketing major, design minor. I'd love for you to talk also about this really, I think, super interesting minor, the business of social impact. Can you talk about your your yeah. interest in that and what uh, led you to that? I would love to. I, I mean, I think I, I came in to Washington knowing that I wanted to pursue that in some capacity. I wasn't sure if it was going to be very manageable because it's, it's hard to juggle a bunch of um, random majors and minors. Uh, but I think what drew me to it is um I joined a business frat uh thinking that it I was gonna hate it <laughs> or or I guess I I rushed is the correct Greek term gosh I, I hate that phrase it's all right um uh but I joined a business frat uh trying to figure out a way to to combine some sort of uh justice oriented um I guess need or passion mm -hmm. um and also my interest in in business uh and people are going crazy for consulting these days i think that's always been the case but students are like it, freaking out over consulting applications and going to join a, a consulting group um but the one sect of of consulting that i hadn't really known about before that i've learned about from my uh business fraternity is, is social impact consulting Mm -hmm. um, which is just a fancy term for saying a lot of times you work in the public sector, uh, you work for nonprofits a lot. And I might have, uh, God, it's, it's been so long now, but I think I talked a lot about this when I, I applied for Beyond Boundaries of finding mm -hmm. uh, a way maybe to combine marketing for nonprofit organizations and then find a way to make uh, that accessible. Uh, but there's also consultants who go into nonprofits and, and work for, for no fee. Right? right, or you work for the State Department, or you work as an independent contractor for the State Department, <laughs> right. um, and you try and, and help them fix issues that they have, maybe regarding water supply or or even hygiene, right? So because it's it's consulting and because that's such a vague or broad uh, industry, you can do it for basically anything. So you can find a way to turn something as uh, I don't want to say tedious, but daunting uh, and almost uh, capitalistic as mm -hmm. consulting uh, and turned into something that, that works for the public. Sure, that's um, great, well put. I think that's that's what drew me uh, to, to that. And I'm also, I'm taking a class actually called Taylor Community Consulting hmm. uh, as, as part of that minor uh, that will basically allow me to do what I just said and work with uh, a company or work with a nonprofit uh, oh, for, great. and, and get some experience as a, as a student consultant. Hmm. Fantastic. Is that a, a, do you work with local St. Louis companies or are they all over the country? Oh, I'm not sure yet exactly. The last mm -hmm. time I checked, I think it changes from semester to semester. Got it. Um, but usually it is in St. Louis. It's usually a St. Louis um, uh, company. Got it. Got it. Usually a small one too. So it's small businesses. Sure, sure. I know one of our colleagues, one of my colleagues, should I say, uh, Heather Cameron, Dr. Heather Cameron uh, in the business school as well. Oh, no, she's in the Brown School, actually, um, is sort of highly involved in this particular um, minor, uh, business of social impact. Um, 
It's fantastic. Um, so uh, what I want to make sure we touch on the fact that you are um, both an urban scholar and a Beyond Boundaries program member. The students, um, I, I often have the question, you know, can a student be both? And it's like, yes, absolutely. A student cannot be in both an ampersand program and Beyond Boundaries because there's curricular requirements for each, but um, students like yourself, I'm thinking of Timuola and Colleen Avila and a lot of other great Beyond Boundaries students are both in a scholar program, one of three signature scholar programs. There's Danforth, Irvin, and Rodriguez, and they have a foot there, and then they have another foot <laughs> in Beyond Boundaries at the same time. So I would love to know about um, your experiences with Irvin and how you got involved in Irvin and what that's been like. Yeah, I would I would love to. Um... So Urban, Urban Scholarship and even the Rod, well, we call the Urbans the Urbans, the Rodriguez is the Rods, um, and Danforth is Danforth. Um, but amongst all of the groups, um, I would definitely say that Urban is, is extremely tight. Uh, I guess you could use tight as <laughs> slang, as slang uh, for just, we're just very close knit, right? It's like beyond boundaries almost, where it's a fairly small program. And while we're not taking academic courses together, we also have the seminar, right? So fall semester, I was attending my Beyond Boundaries seminar, and then the next night I would go to my Irvin, uh, my Irvin group seminar. Technically, I guess it, it was it was just an introductory class talking about um, what we'd like to call habits of achievement. It's a book that they hand out. Oh, nice. Um, that talks uh, a lot about just how to not even succeed, but to how to find a support system mm -hmm. at WashU. Uh, especially amongst the urbans. Um, but I will say that uh, when I, I first came to campus, I attended urban orientation. Um, and uh, I guess for, for the urbans, that means hopping on a bus, driving three hours and getting lost in the Ozarks. Because <laughs> uh, it's exactly what we did. My first my first week at WashU <laughs> wasn't spent on campus. They're like, welcome to WashU, get in this bus. <laughs> It was almost like, a, what's that TV show on Cartoon Network? It's like Total Drama Island, uh, where uh, we got there and then they wanted us to do a bunch of bonding activities. And so they blindfolded a bunch of us and they made us feel like tug of war or like chase each other. It was it was crazy. It was some crazy stuff. Nice. Um, Walk on hot coals, things like that. Oh, yeah. I was wearing I was wearing a bandana the entire day and there were people jumping in the lake and like doing archery. It was, it was like being at summer camp almost, right? For it's sure. Like, that's what we called it. For sure. well, we call, it happens that we're doing it again this year. We call it Irvin Camp, but it was a way just to get to know everyone in my grade as an Irvin, but also there were a handful of older students that were there, which coincidentally okay. enough, um, there was a senior there named Millie Boker uh, who convinced me to play club water polo with her at WashU. So that's how uh -huh. I got into that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but anyways, uh, as, as an Irvin, I would just say it's much more so uh, a community. In a scholarship mm -hmm. program obviously it has all the scholarship perks um but anybody who is in a scholarship program will tell you that uh not only have they met very very close friends there but um they've met a lot of teachers through mm -hmm. it uh simply by spending time in the office of scholar programs we call it the osp it's located in the basement of the women's building mm -hmm. uh whenever uh i have nothing to do during the day or whenever i have free time if I ever head down there, it's packed. It's always, there are always a bunch of kids doing homework there. And by doing homework, I mean procrastinating. <laughs> right. So it's always a good time. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, yeah, I think it's very manageable to be an urban uh, yeah. or even a, a scholar and be in Beyond Boundaries because yeah. 
Beyond Boundaries is is and Urban. They're both specialized programs. Um, but it's just like being it, it's not even as high as a commitment as being part of a, a small club. Right, right. Right. It just becomes part of you. Yeah, I think it's just so special to have students that, like you, have a foot in both camps, and essentially. Um, one thing I really love, and we started doing this last year, uh, and we'll be doing it again this month, at the end of this month, um, is uh, I believe it's the second day after the second day of move-in, um, there's a combined sort of welcome ceremony, and Beyond Boundaries and, and Signature Program scholars like yourself are in the same big theater, in our case, in the Edison Theater, and um, and I have a privilege to sort of speak to you all as a group, and I think you all have, you know, similar promise and similar, um, there's similar things I want to say about you belong here, you know, don't think that you don't because you're part of a scholar program, it's not, you know, it's you belong, you all belong under this particular roof, on this particular laboratory campus we have, and try to give students kind of a shot in the arm, they need to start the semester, their first semester strong. Um, first ever semester strong, but um, I'm also a believer in serendipity. And I just today, I think this is so cool. I, I just today I got a, a message on the Beyond Boundaries Instagram page, and I'm not going to say names, but it was this message, and this woman said, "My granddaughter is an Irvin scholar, and I'd like to thank you personally for your acceptance of her and for providing financial assistance to her as she enters her senior year at Washington University." And then all exclamation points. She's just so proud uh, as her, you know, her granddaughter is here at WashU and in the home stretch of her, uh, her program here. So a lot of special students like yourself um, in those OSP programs. Um, so we are, we are delighted to have you in it. And yes, it, you do miss, as a Beyond Boundaries program student, you do miss a, a little bit of our orientation because you are, in your case, in the middle of the woods somewhere in Missouri um, doing, you know, bonding things. Um, but uh, but we make sure we caught you up, I hope, um, and, uh, you know, that you're up to speed as a program member as in Beyond Boundaries as well. But um, yeah. I think I'll, I'll definitely say I thought I was really bummed, right? I remember I emailed, <laughs> which orientation? So am I just going to have to split myself in two and be at two different places at once? Right. And they were just like, no, 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 go, go to the urban orientation. And I, I had no clue what I was in for. <laughs> no, no, I do. Um, but I was really bummed because I, I remember we met with all the Beyond Boundary students afterwards. And I was looking around and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then well, I realized and then I remembered I, I turned to the people that I knew and they were just like, you're going to be living with all of these kids in the same dorm. You're going to know them. by Yeah, the there's, there's no escaping <laughs> them. Particularly yeah, certain exactly. ones, certain ones are, there's no escaping them either. We won't, we won't name names, but you know. Um, um, I will say, yeah, I will say that there's always, there's at least one person from Beyond Boundaries that I run into without fail when I walk across campus. Oh, do you want to say um, who that is? I'm um, just like, just like, I feel like, uh, oh my gosh, why am I, am I, Jonah, Jonah. Oh, Jonah is everywhere. Yes. Jonah's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um. I'll see Jonah in the dorm. I'll see Jonah on campus. And I feel like it's crazy too, because I don't see Jonah in many of my classes. Right. Um, or even in my extracurriculars. But I always find like at least twice a week, there's always a chance where there's five minutes where it's just like, oh my God, Jonah, how are you? <laughs> yeah. I was on the front porch of my house <laughs> and I saw Jonah jog by. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, Jonah, how are Jonah, you? You're, you're everywhere. Jonah, Jonah is is a St. Louisan and very proud of that, and um, we're just so glad he's in the in the program as well. I it's a, it's a, something new every day from him. 
No yes. Doubt. If you need to know anything about St. Louis, and, or if it's you just need, uh, he's like a walking chamber of commerce <laughs> for St. Louis. <laughs> <He> can, <laughs> And, yeah, and, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, and like a history center and everything rolled into one. He's think uh, about like an elevated bougie tour guide. That's exactly, true. a bougie tour guide. <laughs> he doesn't even get um, paid for it. It's out of the kind right. of He's he's a wonderful <laughs> young man. Again, all of you have such. Uh, there's a if you don't know, um, um, before you were ever a student here, we had a uh, dean of students um, named Dean McLeod, who was a beloved dean of students here. And he coined the phrase, I'm sure you've heard many, many times, which is knowing students by name and story. And um, and that's an important thing for, for faculty and program directors like myself and deans to just, to not just know a student by their name, but, and you know, to know them by story and how they're all different and unique. And um, as I say to a lot to my students, it's not how you've been, you've been tested quite honestly, most of your life in high school. And, and um, before that, the basic question has been asked, how intelligent are you? But I like to kind of flip that a little bit on its head. And I ask how, how are you intelligent? That's, I think, the more important question, you know, how do we lean on our diversity and our, our kind of varying skills to, to change, change the world? Um, just a small thing, just changing the world. Um, I want to, uh, I got a couple quick questions for you and then we'll kind of wrap it up. But uh, I, I love, I'm, I'm a dog lover. I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, I had a dog, beloved dog for like 14 years. And I noticed on your LinkedIn page that, uh, you volunteer with no dogs left behind. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, well around the, uh, well, oh, gosh, let me set the scene. I live in a New York city apartment, but it just so happens that I have five dogs what so, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like this is like my fun fact i feel like when somebody that's asks part of me, your story i didn't know oh, my gosh yeah it's what i tell people so i have uh wow well, we've, we've had a lot come and go over the years in terms of just you know old dogs and fostering uh but right now we have three chihuahuas uh a puppy pomeranian and a pit bull so you can imagine how they get along it's like a tom and jerry in the house right now um but because we're, we're, I just grew up in a family of dog lovers and especially my dad, uh, during the pandemic, we we were just holed up inside with all of our dogs, right? And we were just like, well, there's gotta be something we can do, right? Mm -hmm. Not just to pass time, but maybe we can find a way to, to uh, support support the, uh, the puppy community in some capacity. <laughs> right. Um, and my dad met this, this person who works with this nonprofit called No Dogs Left Behind. And also there's a similar one called the Puerto Rico Dog Fund. Um, and they rescue dogs from basically around the world. A lot of them come from Puerto Rico. There have been a handful that have come from from China. Um, and my my father likes to call a lot of the people at No Dogs Left Behind uh, vigilantes, like doggy vigilantes. In <laughs> a lot of times they they steal they steal dogs. Oh, and this isn't they steal dogs from I don't want to say like factories, mm -hmm. uh, but but they they steal. Uh, abused dogs like oh. um, they, they steal them from wherever they are and then rescue them yeah. um, and ship them to the u.s mm -hmm. in canada and so what my dad and i started doing um and we'd wake up at like 2 a.m 3 a.m or stay up until then right. we drive to airports in new york and we'd pick up these puppies who were coming in in crates oh. um and they would come in into like the areas of, of jfk or LaGuardia. Uh, where you pick up just like big packages almost oh it was almost like they were were cargo hmm. so we'd pick them up uh and we'd just feed them 
we'd get them like food and water. And so it would just be a, a tangle of like 10, 10 puppies running around in an airport um, facility. Wow. Um, and we'd drive them to their foster homes. Um, sometimes the foster homes would be us, but mm -hmm. uh, usually we'd drive them to Long Island. So outside of Manhattan where they can actually run around mm -hmm. um, or we drop them off one at a time at different locations to people who could only foster like one, two dogs at a time. Uh -oh. um, and so we did that throughout the pandemic. And then uh, last summer and mostly this year, we started fostering a lot of puppies too. Mm. And so my sister got in on it and we fostered a really, really cute baby German shepherd named <laughs> Abe. Um, he's like a, there are dogs in Puerto Rico called Satos. Um, and they're basically just like, they're, they're almost like the police dogs in Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, they, they look, uh, like mutts, you know, that you wouldn't be able to tell what breed they were. Um, but we get a lot of those in. And so the whole point of, I guess, not just, uh, being Uber drivers for, for rescued dogs, but, um, uh, the whole point is to help them find homes. Right. So we rescue these dogs and we put them at foster homes. And then, you know, there are people on the other side of the No Dogs Left Behind team that are posting on Instagram saying that they just came in from wherever they're coming in from, mm -hmm. that they're up for adoption. Um, hmm. So I would say that my family is kind of like a middleman at this yeah. point. Oh, no, but it's such an important role. Yeah. Exactly. Super, You'd be surprised super. how much um, traction that the, the nonprofit has actually picked up because yeah. of it. Yeah, and honestly, I think uh, all I've ever had in my life are rescue dogs. I think they they know. I think those dogs know that they've been given a second chance. And and good on you, as they say, for for doing that type of work. And to your father as well. Wonderful, wonderful way to volunteer and give back. Truly, it's um, it's selfish. It's a selfish bit. There's nothing like. <laughs> I guess I I just I'm just such a dog lover myself, and and um. You know, it's folks like you that connected me with my rescue, and I had her for 14 years. Um, so I want to uh, ask you a question, and that is if you could, let's say I could hand you a time machine, and you could go back to August of 2021, not 2022, uh, go back exactly a year, and you're about to start your first year at Wash U, um, what advice would you give yourself that, that you wish someone had told you at that point? Huh. I think a <laughs> real skill that I lacked towards the beginning and even the middle of the year, and I think you can speak to this in some capacity, Rob, uh -huh. uh, especially because you've been uh, such a like a dad figure almost in, in the mentor, uh -huh. uh, you know, like like the person that sets sets you straight. That's what uh -huh. I love about beyond boundaries. You set you set people straight. <laughs> okay. Um, you <laughs> you're full of dad jokes, but like you 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 know when to get serious. Um, Thanks. And uh, I think something that. I think has I've kind of grown with more so towards the end of the year and especially the summer is taking a, a step back mm. um, out of fear um, and and taking the time and grace to communicate mm. um, because it, it's it's especially when you have drilled into you especially coming from high school uh, this idea that you're supposed to follow every single rule right yeah, yeah um it gets a lot harder when there that comes into conflict almost hmm. uh so something as small as having a conflict of interest or, or having a, a time conflict and not being able to properly communicate it yeah. out of uh uh fear of not just miscommunicating but, but getting in trouble almost for it 
Sure, Which sure. inevitably, you know, if you don't communicate anything, you get in more trouble than you would have regardless. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's, uh, really, that's profound. But I, I think especially coming into college as freshmen, it, it's so easy to just, you almost, you ignore things because it's just like, oh, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Hmm. You, you might as well just uh, let stuff hit the fan. Hmm. Um, and I think in rushing a business rex, that took a lot of time management that I struggled with a lot. Yeah. And especially managing all of my classes this year. Um, and even, this is going to sound really weird, even uh, finding a lot like new friends and then being in, in new relationships has forced me to think about uh, how I how I say things too, but also, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, when you say things or when you mm. bring things up. That's, that's um, not, weird, not weird at all, I don't think, no. Uh, but I, I think a lot of times, and especially now, I, I've learned when to bite my tongue almost, <laughs> uh, but for, for like the sake of, of, <laughs> of others, uh, and, and then also being able to, uh, communicate, I don't even want to say proficiently, uh, but being able to get what's off my chest. Sure. Get, get what's what i'm thinking off right. my chest right uh on, on a proper timeline <laughs> almost well um, that's I, I think that's super profound uh i didn't mean to interrupt you did i no no, no I, I, I we had you had of a uh, a classmate who shall remain unnamed uh, uh upper class person who um who came to me one time and and uh, she was like rob rob i i feel like I, I want to do everything. I want, I, that's what's, I, I have so many interests, it's a problem. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, that's a feature, not a bug, that you have so many interests. And there tends to be, if, if Beyond Boundaries students sort of uh, have a, I guess, kind of a typical trait, it's that you have multiple interests across multiple disciplines, and that's good. I keep telling students that's a good thing, but it often has this interpretation, perhaps, that you're wishy-washy, or you don't know what you're doing, and... And to me, it's just a, it's an, uh, an abundance, a wealth of good things that you have so many good things you want to pursue. And um, what becomes difficult is I, if I'm understanding you properly is that, you know, you have to prioritize, you have to say, well, this, this comes before that. And if this conflicts with that, I have to make sure I communicate, you know, that to the people that are involved in this other thing that I can't make it to. And so, um, it's a it's a it's a skill it's a that 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 every student i think honestly has to figure out as they go it's not something you can walk in having a having a class that you took that prepares you for it <laughs> it's just it, uh... it's crazy to think that too because the only time you really the only time that you realize and you can grow from that too is when you mess up yeah yeah <laughs> which true. is which is good to think about true um, true yeah and there's a, there's a wonderful Mark Twain quote, which is, um, um, a man who holds a cat by a tail learns something he can in no other way. <laughs> and that is, you know, certain things you learn in college aren't related to curricular requirements or like, you know, credits or things like that, or you know, any kind of like knowledge that you're learning. It's, it's like, oh, wait, I, I double booked myself. I screwed up that relationship. I did that. Or I, you know, it's, that's just, um. As you say, that's something you got to do and, and work through and um, give yourself grace, obviously, to 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 just to just understand and mature and get better. So um, yeah. I think it's I, also it's very easy that, and I've noticed this with a lot of friends. It's very easy to be self-deprecative. 
yes um, at yeah. school and then in those situations because uh, sure. you you can't really control uh what 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 how the other person feels in that situation after the fact yeah you know yeah but a absolutely it's not something that you can necessarily dwell on yeah and something i noticed more often than not is the ones that are mo the most self-deprecating are usually female and I, I, I hate that as well. It's like, no, 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 no. This other guy over here, he screwed up just as badly as you did. So, you know, why are you harder on yourself than he is right now? So um, it is, I think I appreciate your candor on that. I think it's a really wise, profound for someone of your young years to be able to sort of look back and go, yeah, I, I think I learned that. Um, and I appreciate you kind of telling all four of our listeners <laughs> that that story um speaking of self-deprecating i'm self-deprecating the podcast itself um but um well bianca it's been delightful to just catch up with you and um and record it in a not creepy way uh for the podcast and uh you know and just kind of sh you have so much wisdom to impart and you have so many um, different, I think you should be very proud of all the things you're doing. You know, you're not even, haven't even started your second year uh, Wash U yet, but um, I just can't wait to see your star just like take off here at Wash U and beyond. So um, it's been delightful, delightful to chat with you and, and learn a little bit about some of the things I didn't even know about you, that you have five dogs in New York City, no less. <laughs> and a rabbit. And a rabbit. We don't... We didn't, we didn't talk about the rabbit. <laughs> nice. But uh, I've just had, it's just been a treat, honestly, for me to just chat with you and, uh, and have this conversation. And, and um, if folks um, want to uh, contact me about contacting you, if you've said anything that, that resonates with them, um, prospective students, perhaps, I'm happy to make that, that introduction, introduction to you. So, cause I think you're yeah, a good, I, I would be more than happy to be, be my guest. You're a I'll good, wait for all the emails to come flooding in. Yeah. You're a good standard bearer for the beyond boundaries program. So thanks. Yeah. Um, we'll have a great rest of your summer and I will uh, see you sooner than later. We're almost, uh, almost back here at, on campus. It's pretty quiet right now. I can tell you that, but, um, it's going to be bustling for, very, very soon, but wow. Uh, Give it thanks. two weeks and I'll, I'll ask you uh, again. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be nuts here. Um, well, yeah. Thank you so much again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure. I did, I'm relishing in this opportunity to catch up with you. Uh, it's been <laughs> for, a treat. For the world to see and also after the fact. So. Uh, it's been a pleasure in both regards. Thanks so much.